today on Writers Get Animated, it's our Rebels recap. I mean, recap of Rebels. I mean, a retrospective about Star Wars Rebels? I don't know what's not copyright infringement. Stay tuned! Good day and welcome to Writers Get Animated, a podcast about animation, storytelling, and the vast, complicated character narrative stuff happening in Star Wars Rebels, specifically this episode. I'm Chris Leva. And I'm Mackenzie Worrell. And you best beware, listener, there'll be spoilers ahead in this here episode. I don't know why I went with pirate on that, but it felt right. Okay. But very wrong, since we're talking about Star Wars Rebels. But there'll be spoilers, so be careful. You if could he act like a Hondo. Yeah, I can't do Hondo, though, because it's, it's essentially doing Don Carnage from Tailspin. It's essentially Hondo. But I don't even know what accent it's supposed to be. No. Now, you must be careful. There are spoilers here, friend. There we go. That is, that is the worst Hondo impression. But I will keep going because it's turning into Ricardo Montalban, apparently. <laughs> so don't, don't listen to this episode if you haven't watched it, Lucy, because it turned into Desi Arnaz. What is happening with this impression? Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, tell us, catch us up for Rebel Season 3, which is the entire thing we're talking about today, because that just recently ended. Catch us up. Where do we leave off at the end of Season 2? Character-wise. Character-wise, things are in a pretty dark place. Literally and figuratively. Yes. We end up getting the return of Vader in an epic battle with his ex-Padawan, Ahsoka. <laughs> um, we get return of Darth Maul. We get a lot of death. We get a huge battle. Um, Darth Vader essentially loses the fight. Let's be real. He may have won, but he really lost a lot more. Um, we get Kanan blinded by Maul, by Darth Maul. Um, and then he got mauled. Yeah. Um, and then uh, we have just the team, the whole team, just feeling like they had a massive loss. We also get Ezra toying around with the dark magic. Sorry, the dark, the dark side. side. <laughs> the magic of the dark side? Yeah, uh, the, the mysteries of the dark side by trying to work with the Sith holocron left from Darth Maul. Voiced by Ventress. Correct. But not Ventress. But not Ventress. Sadly. So there's this mystery of Ezra's toying with the dark side, which he fully doesn't understand. Kanan is blind, metaphorical, metaphorically and literally blinded. Um, and everybody else just seems down. Uh, Ahsoka may or may not be dead. Vader needs to go back to his castle on Mustafar and recover from getting his 
uh, original um, voice actor opened up. Yeah, exactly. She hit him so hard, his old voice actor came back. <laughs> so, uh, dark, season two ended in a dark place. Yeah, it was very much like an emotional catharsis. It feels like a midpoint. It felt like uh, if if we go if we keep it in the family of Star Wars, it felt very Empire Strikes Back. They've all lost, and we don't know if they're going to be okay. But we know that we're coming back for season three, so maybe there's hope. It's like the, a massive question mark. Like, well. We're, we're coming back, so maybe good things will happen next season. <laughs> Shrug. Well, we know that at that point we're only like a couple of years from A New Hope happening. So there's a lot of questions of how are they going to wrap this up? Does it wrap up? Do we just like not see other Jedi around in the Rebellion? Like what's what's going on? There's, this is a, a prequel essentially that has unlike the prequel movie trilogy has the benefit going forward of like, well, these characters aren't in the first trilogy. So what happens? It's not, how do they get from point A to point B? It's these characters aren't around. Right. So what happens? That's what we want to know. And season three brings us one year closer to that. Unless we see Hera in episode eight. I didn't say they were going to die. I'm not speculating they're dead. We no, see uh, her on, in Rogue One. No, I know. We hear her. I'm just saying we hear about her. Yeah. I'm just saying if if we want to know where things end up, we could get a spoiler like that in episode eight. We won't, but we could. That's like 40 years later, though. Yeah. Other people are still know. around. Anyway. But it's it, it is interesting to have a prequel... Full of characters who aren't in any of the movies. Well, that's not true. Because uh, now some of them are, prob- are in Rogue One, at least. Yeah. Well, Chopper is in it, and Hera is talked about. Correct. And we see the ship. And we, So the ship makes it. Who's on it is the big question. Who's still together, not, not alive, but who's still together as the... Phoenix Squadron on that crew. Do we see it get away from the battle in Rogue One? Um, not explicitly. Okay. So there's a potential they all die at... Scarif. That, at Scarif, yeah. Just Wh- saying. Which would be a pretty balls-to-the-wall way to go out on Rebel Season 5, season-slash-series finale. Let's retell the plot of Rogue One. I, th- I feel like, and, and Dave Filoni has talked about the fact that we could see an episode of Rebels, which is essentially the battle of Scarif from the vantage point of people on the ghost. But it's got to be the last episode, and I'll say, like, move past the plot of A New Hope. It, I don't, I'm not disagreeing with you. I'm just saying he put that idea out there into the universe and when the executive producer of something says it'd be really cool to do this and everyone starts going uh when is that gonna happen (laughs) i feel like we're getting very very close to that 
I just know that Saw Gerrera has to grow his hair out a lot between this episode of Rebels and the movie part of Rogue One. Yeah, he does. It was interesting to see Saw Gerrera in Rebels having... We, we had a Saw Gerrera episode of this podcast where we talked about him in Clone Wars because he was coming back in Rogue One, not realizing that they would announce that he'd be in Rebels a couple like weeks after we recorded. It's like, what are the odds? What are the odds? So who knew did we meet this season? We meet Saw Gerrera. Well, I guess not new, but we knew to Rebels. <laughs> new to Rebels. New from to- Clone Wars, from Rogue One. We meet Grand Admiral Thrawn, who's new, air quotes, to the canon. I'm back, baby! <laughs> Basically. <laughs> <laughs> And I like that it's young Thrawn. We're kind of leaving the, the potential open that maybe Thrawn's actual original famous origin in the novels of being post-Return of the Jedi and taking over the Empire. That possibility is open because we have young Thrawn in Rebels. So does he survive the original trilogy of movies? Will he be in a sequel cartoon show set after Return of the Jedi? I'm just saying you could hire writers, could animate it, and we could tell you if this happens or not by writing it and making it happen. Or we could just ask all the questions that your writers will have to answer. Because I think we're really good at that, at least. What if we get paid to be Star Wars dramaturgs? Not just dramaturgs in general, just Star Wars dramaturgs. Sorry, I got stuck in a reverie. That was a beautiful <laughs> future that you just... <laughs> I I'm, I'm, I'm keep getting stuck in it. It's so beautiful. I don't think that Leia would do that. Like Star Wars dramaturg. <laughs> it's a very specialized role. Isn't that essentially the Lucasfilm story group, though? Star Wars Shh. dramaturgs? Shh. But they probably have to write, too, also. I don't know. Anyway. <laughs> Keepers of the canon. Yeah. So who else? Do, do we meet anyone else new this season? The Bendu. Oh, the Bendu, yes. That is a, I would call it an important Star Wars plot point, although not from any other Star Wars property. Mm-hmm. Completely new. The Bendu. New in, the Bend new. <laughs> Goodness. Otherwise, I can't really think of too many other people. Like, too many new side characters. That, that, we have a bunch of people come back. Yeah, we don't have anybody that comes in and... I mean, we, we meet Governor Price again. Was Governor yeah. Price in it before? But nobody who has who's really consequential in the same way. Yeah. There's a bunch of characters. I think we've we may have met our our rebels maximum capacity for characters. Now that we've brought back all these Clone Wars characters, we've introduced all these new characters, but some of them haven't even come back. Like Sabine's Academy friend, I think was in one episode other than her original season one episode. Mm-hmm. Mm. We do meet Sabine's family. We do. So those are some new characters. We do meet um, a certain other Jedi who 
we didn't think would ever be in Rebels, but always hoped he would be in Rebels. We'll talk about that towards the end of this episode. Yeah, we'll keep that going. We have opinions. <laughs> um, I'm trying and to th- then, I can't think of anybody else who uh, got created. Yeah, my, I think my criticism of having so many characters at this point on the sidelines is that we can go most of the season and not see so many of them. The end of season two, we are introduced to AP5, the sassy, uh, chaotic, neutral version of C3PO, <laughs> um, who's fantastic. And you're like, oh, what a great new character to add to the ghost crew. And then you don't see him for like 20 episodes immediately. And thinking about it, the same happens in reverse with Hondo, who you see a couple times at the beginning of the season and then never again. Well... Hondo's a sometimes character. He's a sometimes friend. He just felt like he and Darth Maul were filling the same shoes for a while with Ezra. In terms of giving Ezra an alternative to Kanan's teachings? Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Or somebody, people who would doubt the way that Kanan is doing something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But we do get... Well, okay, let's talk about main character arcs and what we think of them in the season. Okay. Uh, I don't know, actually don't know. Who's your favorite Rebels character? We'll start with them. Oh, my goodness. My favorite Rebels character? Ooh. Um, well, now that Ezra's cut his hair and looks more like me from high school, <laughs> he is still not my favorite, but I think <laughs> I would... I, I really like Kanan. Really I would like say Kanan's my favorite, too. Yeah. I wish he had more to do sometimes, but I, I like, I like my Jedi imperfect. I, I was like, going to say, I feel like he's a, a real Jedi for the first time this season. Mm-hmm. I, I think he's really coming into his own and it took him having to, wow, this is going to make me sound a little nerdy. It's, it's forcing him to, understand the force on a different level and to really use the force to see. Mm-hmm. So when his sight is through and of the force, it just makes him stronger. And they use their props really well with him too. Cause he has this mask that he has all season now over his eyes and they choose the moments where he doesn't wear the mask. And it's, partly shocking when he doesn't because you see his blind eyes, but also looks like he's seeing more than ever when he's not wearing his mask. Mm-hmm. And it's, I think that he's the one that has, has had a lot of growth these last seasons. Him and, I mean, him and Ezra on different paths, but to be, go from a student who as I'm speaking of Kanan, to go to a student whose education was cut off by war and death and destruction and to go into hiding and to keep something a secret to now be out in full force, so to speak, standing mm-hmm. there and and not being afraid to take out the lightsaber and hack down a couple of AT-ATs, you know, it's it's uh, he's not in hiding about who he is or what he is. He's saying, "I am a Jedi. 
and I understand the Force a little bit more. I am a Jedi! I am a Jedi! So, but I, I think that he is coming into his own, and he I don't think he was able to understand the Force until he was uh, forced to use it. I don't keep... I'm not doing that on purpose, but until he was forced to do it in order to see. Otherwise, he would become useless if he wasn't able to use the force as the all-guiding, as his eyes. and mm-hmm. So, along with Kanan's arc of becoming useful... Um, <laughs> That's not how I put it, but <laughs> sure. Even though he's not a main character, I feel like this is the best time to talk about the Bendu. Uh, Voiced, of course, by by Tom Baker, everyone's favorite doctor, Mm. if you're older than, like, 18. Okay. Well, I'm older than 18, but he's the doctor I I grew up with, my favorite doctor. Exactly. My favorite doctor is the 12th doctor, but but Tom Baker's the doctor I grew up with. I made a lot of fans stop listening to this show just now by saying that, but... Really, the current doctor is your favorite doctor. Hashtag no regrets. No regrets. No regrets. Um, yeah, so Ben Du, my favorite doctor, I guess. Tom Baker. As this benevolent beige side of the force. <laughs> benevolent beige may side. be the right word. Non-threatening beige side of the force. Mm-hmm. Is, well, here's the thing. I don't believe the Bendu is neutral because the Bendu says he's both light and dark. So neutral would be, I'm not going either way. The Bendu essentially encapsulates both. Hmm. I'm both the light and the dark. So it's different to say I have both in me and have that in balance as opposed to I am neutral and I'm neither good nor I'm neither light nor dark. How do you feel about the Bendu as a concept? I think like, it's, do you like him? Do I like him as a concept? Um, I had problems the first episode with the Bendu hmm. because it felt convenient for Kanan to be blind and need to learn how to use the force. And suddenly there's a creature there to teach him. I'd agree that I have dramaturgical problems with the convenience of that. I generally like the Bendu a lot more than some of the other more mythological force characters they've tried to create along the way. Such as? In Clone Wars, they go to the force planet with like the light and the dark. Oh, yes. Yeah. Which we talked about, yeah. Yeah, which I I like that series more than most people do. Um, I don't have a huge problem with it, but I think the Bendu is more refined as a mythological force concept. Mm-hmm. But it's also nice to see that not just humanoids use the force because, and that's one thing that we got in Star Wars Clone Wars was lots of different alien races with lightsabers. Mm-hmm. You know, oh, there's a Wookiee who is a Jedi, you know, it adds something to it. So to see a creature that we haven't met before who knows the force. It, it just adds something to the mytholo- mythology 
Um, and it felt like it grew grew things much like it did with the witches from Clone Wars, where it's just, here's another side of it. Here's something that says they're not choosing sides. It is in, it's embracing both sides of the force. Mm-hmm. And it's neutrality is only in so far as it's not acting on one singularly. So then how do you feel about the end of the Bendu's arc in the finale? I questioned it, but if the Bendu says there's as much dark as there is light, then he, <laughs> Kanan in a sense has to activate both sides of that in order to get the Bendu to act. Listen, the good guys are being bad, you know, and you need to act on this for self-protection and you need to attack. And so making the good act for the sake of justice, but the bad act out of anger makes sense when I went back and remembered the Bendu saying, I am both light and dark. Because if if he is a, quote, neutral character, then he wouldn't act in the way that he did. But he's not neutral. He's balanced, mm-hmm. which is a big difference. So it going back and remembering that um, helped. Because at first I was like, okay, so he's turning into a giant thunderstorm and taking everybody out, which feels like a really dark thing to do. Yeah, and then there's ambiguity as to like what his future is, if there is any. Mm-hmm. If he Obi-Wan Kenobi'd his way out. I or... feel like Kanan and Bendu are going to meet again. That's got to be an unhappy meeting. Well, he's really mad at Kanan. And I think it's... Is it just because he called him out? Is that... It felt like it escalated quickly. If ever those words deserve <laughs> to be uttered, it did escalate quickly. Yeah, well, that escalated quickly. <laughs> I'm asking for help, but now you're a giant thunderstorm. Oh. You're a coward. What? <laughs> thunderstorm powers activate. <laughs> I will shoot lightning at everybody. Like you do. Like you do. So that's the Bendu, who we meet and grow to love and get confused by. <laughs> and I think we will have more to love and get confused by in season four from the Bendu. Yeah. I would venture to guess in episode mm, 20, season four, Bendu comes back in a vision. With Yoda. With Yoda. For funsies. I'm striking the with Yoda. I think it's. I think the Bendu will come back in a vision somehow mm-hmm. to Kanan before the big battle of episodes 21 and 22, because that's going to be um, a pattern that they have to go through now. That I think I'd like the parallel of like the Bendu's words echoing in Kanan's head during season four, like how Ezra's dealt with Maul's words in season three. Mm-hmm. I would like that. 
And I think that Kanan should be affected by what he's done going forward. Also, not just to activate the Bendu, but what the Bendu has said essentially was, maybe you Jedi deserve to die. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's the best thing for all of us if you Jedi were all dead. <laughs> I'm paraphrasing, but that's he's like... You guys are awful people, and I should. I'm. I'm glad the world took you out, and maybe I should finish you guys off. And I'm glad you brought up the Star Wars story trust earlier because I think that all those one-off things in Rebels are building toward maybe not even Episode Eight, but Episode Nine, looking far-flung future. Hmm. I I feel like what we're seeing in Rebels this season, in particular is threads that will not get resolved in the show we're currently watching. Yes. There's a lot of refocusing of the main Star Wars story for the big Star Wars lords who are paying attention. Nords? Did I say Nords? Nerds. (laughs) You might be a nerdy Nord, I don't know. But Star Wars Nord, Star Wars Nerd, whatever. Uh, Because we also get... I think the big change in the mythology of Star Wars in the Obi-Wan episode, if we're going to jump to that. Should we? Uh, We've done it. Go ahead. Okay. Uh, Yeah, so we get Obi-Wan, and I have other issues with that episode. Um, But as Obi-Wan and Darth Maul finish their fight, and Darth Maul's having his spoilers, last words in the arms of Obi-Wan, like you do, He says, who are you protecting? Is it the Chosen One? And Obi-Wan says, yes. So here we get for the first time that Luke is the Chosen One. So we'll see what happens. I think the trilogy of trilogies is about the Skywalkers. It's going to end with balance being brought to the Force, whatever that means. I think that may be the end of the Sith and the Jedi. Maybe not the Force, but both those two things. I just hope that's not the end of lightsabers. Oh, no. How else are they going to like cut bread and toast at the same time? Ah, oh, lightsabers. But, um, yeah, the Obi-Wan episode, it wasn't until I watched Rebels Recon, which is the show that they do talking about the making of it, that I appreciated the show that episode. Because I felt a little bit deflated after watching it i love that episode if you view it without thinking about the marketing leading up to it yeah i think the deflation comes from all the marketing was pushing there's going to be a big obi-wan darth maul confrontation and fight and basically the marketing showed you the entire thing and it's a really well done scene i think it's a really good scene i think the episode is an amazing transition to alec guinness obi-wan instead of ian mcgregor obi-wan and that's not something I knew that I wanted until I saw the episode, and I really appreciate having seen it. Um, in that Obi-Wan is good at his job now and can win a fight with one strike. Mm-hmm. And that's the one thing that they talked about in Rebels Recon is they they took a lot from samurai films, and that really good sword fights are very short because you know what you're doing. And they talked about how 
Darth Maul tries the same move that killed um, Qui-Gon. Qui-Gon. I don't, I just, all I kept thinking was Liam Neeson and couldn't think of Qui-Gon Jinn. I feel awful. But he tried the same move, tried to hit him in the face with his, with his hilt. And that's what Obi-Wan smashes through and does the deed. Although I, we, I didn't see the point of impact. And I think that's where I got struck. But I, I understand Disney XD kids show. <laughs> so you can't like see a lightsaber slice through somebody's innards or whatever. But I think a lot of people were like, where did he, get, where did he hit him? Like, how did he get him? I felt like I don't have a problem with that. It felt like it was close enough. Darth Maul's back is to us. We see the lightsaber cut through Darth Maul's lightsaber and presumably hit him in the neck or chest or something. That was fine with me. Okay. Man. It, it just threw me. I don't know what I don't know what it was. Um, I but, think it's all marketing. I really do. Yeah, because they did show us essentially the whole fight. Because mm-hmm. with with the marketing, them the standoff, and the fight is about thirty seconds long, if that, including the standoff, including the standoff. Maybe it's like a ten second long fight. If it can so be called, duel. We'll call it a duel because they were standing across from each other. But what does that add now that Ezra has met Obi Wan Kenobi, and Obi Wan Kenobi knows there's at least one Jedi out I there? I think it it just confirms. My earlier theory about the retcon that they're doing, that's very subtle, of there is another. Because in season one, Yoda, through the power of space-time forciness, meets Ezra and is aware of Ezra as a Jedi. Mm -hmm. Now, Obi-Wan's met Ezra. So now the scene at the end of Empire, Mm -hmm. with Yoda and Obi-Wan's ghost standing in the, the swamp of Dagobah, and Yoda says... Or Obi-Wan says there is another? It's Yoda. I should know this. Yoda? Yoda says there is another. It's now a scene of two people saying something that they both know. For the point of dramatic tension, because Leia has, at least in Episode 7, clearly not become a Jedi. She may be Force-sensitive, but she's not a Jedi. She's not another potential. So is there is another about Ezra? And as we move towards episode eight, The Last Jedi, uh, which thanks to the power of translation into romantic languages, we know is plural for Jedi. (laughs) Where in English they wanted it to be ambiguous. (laughs) In other languages, uh, you cannot cannot be. Ambiguous as to the last, what the last Jedi means. So, is Ezra one of those last Jedi? Is Ahsoka one of those last Jedi? We haven't seen any more of her. Oh, that would pretty. That would that would be pretty 
awesome to see Ahsoka in episode eight. Not going to happen, but that'd be pretty awesome. It'd be fan service. I'd love every minute of it. I'd be super excited for it to be in the movies and to get a bigger fan base, but it's totally not going to happen. Yeah. Uh, Rosario Dawson as Ahsoka. I still think that Ahsoka is alive and that the Emperor has to kill her in front of Vader to motivate Vader's later actions. I stand by that. You stand by that. I do. Okay. It, not, and it can't be anybody else. It can't be killing Ezra or killing Kanan because they don't mean anything to him. Mm-hmm. It has to be her. Mm-hmm. Well, season five. Four? Well, you think that'll happen in four? That we see Ahsoka come back and Ahsoka die? I feel like four is going to be the last season. Really? Hmm. I feel like I feel like they would need at least one more, but you may be right. I think we're within like one year of New Hope now. Because they've been doing like roughly a year per season. Yeah, this one um, jumped six months in between the last season two, the finale of season two to episode one of season three. And they've Which, taken away some of the dramatic tension by saying they're moving to Yavin now, so we know their new rebel base is not going to be discovered. That's true. Which I I think the long arc of Thrawn trying to find the rebel base and the spies and them actually being spies and doing things was a really fun way to keep something going through the, the season. I liked that. It did yeah. feel like the other things were going a little all over the place. You know, we weren't quite focused on the ghost crew. We were kind of everywhere all at once um, and trying to tell everyone's story. But that's the hard part when you have so many, quote, main characters that you have to give each of them something to do. And for the first time, I think we get something interesting happening to Sabine. Yes, finally, in that we have something interesting happen to her and we're going to write her off the show, question mark? I feel like it's going to be a little bit uh, Game of Thronesian next season Mm. where we start with a battle and we end with a battle. I think we have to start with the Mandalorians in battle because you have to finish that up to get Sabine back to the ghost crew. That'd be nice because while I like all the side characters getting more screen time and all the new characters are getting, I think rebels is falling into this unfortunate cartoon thing where we keep beating other new male characters and we're losing female characters. Yeah. I, they're, they're just trying to make it look like 77. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the secret point of Rebels is to write out all the female characters from Star Wars so we can justify why 1977 looks the way it does. Yeah. They were all dead. <laughs> or on different ships. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. I do want to see some more female presence in the show. Um, 
because I, I like Sabine. I like Sabine with the Darksaber. That's awesome. Which I think was one of the best episodes of the season. I completely agree. Her training scene alone was super interesting. One, you get to see Ezra coming into his own that he's actually learned something. And that, two, you get to see Sabine struggle. And one thing that, for me, Rebels has a hard time doing is showing the passage of time. Yes. So really, all they can do is change hairstyles, change clothing, change other things. We don't get a lot of dialogue that gives us a sense of, well, now that it's been six months since we last had a shipment or whatever, you know, you don't have dialogue like that to show the passage of time. You have to, you just kind of guess at it a little bit based on other things or seasons, but you don't really even have seasons because on Star Wars planets, there's only one kind of weather, you know? Mm-hmm. Whole planet. So it's it's difficult to show the passage of time. And I think it was nice to be reminded that Ezra did have a lot of training. It wasn't the 30 minutes of training that we've seen throughout the three seasons of Rebels. He actually knows what he's doing. He's actually trained. He knows things. And I'm a sucker for the whole Mandalorian stuff, so I, I hope that wraps up satisfyingly. Um, although I'm not sure how they could wrap it up before the timeline of the original trilogy. I feel like Mandalore has to be out of the picture still. Say that one more time. I feel like Mandalore has to still be out of the picture during the timeline of A New Hope Empire and Return of the Jedi. So it has to be just gone. It has not to gone. Be. It's not but, a player. That's what I'm saying. They have to essentially destroy themselves as they are defined right now. Yeah, I think so. They have to lose some identity. Because even in the Clone Wars show, they were such a powerhouse, even though they were a neutral planet. Like, they were so big and so powerful. They had to get Mandalore out of the picture before the end of the... Um, Revenge of the Sith movie. Mm-hmm. So let's talk. What other characters had big arcs this season? I do want to talk specifically about Rex because I think that Rex has some of the most finite character development. You get a lot of like nuance of Rex in the season. Um, and the last battle Specifically, the episode where they find the downed droid ship and Rex is pitted against the last of the droid army. I thought that was really good. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's a little bit of fan service, too, to see Rex in his old helmet running around with two guns trying to uh, take out droids. So there's a mm-hmm. little bit there. But it's also f- interesting to know that, yeah, there's also a old, decrepit droids out there and a one droid who's still out there programmed to end the war. Nope. The war's not over here. I'm still fighting. Fighting. It my was pro- definitely uh, a little convenient to like 
have the the end of the episode and go like, Ezra, you ended the Clone Wars. Congratulations. <laughs> yeah. I like the idea of it. It was a little little surface level, um, but I like the idea of it. And I do enjoy that the, the droids are out there somewhere. Yeah. Doing their doing their thing. Yeah. The droid thing. <laughs> I like the idea that the droids could be part of the rebel army at some point. That'd be interesting. That's what they yep. were programmed to do. Rebel. What about um Callus? For me, I don't know that Callus has he has like a, a show arc. <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't know if Not he's a, a season, season arc. arc. He's already hit like his his point of change before the season begins. Um, and we don't know that right away. We learn over the course of the season that he is Fulcrum and he's now helping the Rebels. Uh, and I'm excited for that because I like Callus. I think Callus is a very interesting character. And I'm excited to hopefully have him as a main character in season four. Mm-hmm. I think his relationship with Zeb will be interesting as they are now side by side since it was essentially his interactions with Zeb that turned him. Mm -hmm. And that's Um, one of the best episodes of Rebels. mm -hmm. Hands down. I think one of the best moments, though, is when we realize that Thrawn knows Mm -hmm. that Callus and still is manipulating and using him because he knows that Callus is going to send messages to the rebels and do other things. I, you get to see just how dangerous Thrawn is because he's manipulating everything. Yeah, Thrawn is very menacing, and he never falls into the trope of like the, aha, I knew that you knew I would know that you did this. <laughs> right. It never reaches that level, which is good. It's always, like, scary one step ahead. Yeah. But he's making educated guesses. And nothing that he's acting on is something that's... Something that w- couldn't be calculated. In terms of it's... N- he figures out through the evidence that... In a really good episode, I'm trying to remember the, the name of it... It was through Imperial Eyes mm. where Callus tries to frame somebody else and say that he, but Thrawn knowing that, wait, that's too, this guy's too good. This guy's not smart enough to do that. Through all this evidence, it has to be Callus. That it's not something silly like, oh, he, he recognizes it through behavior and action and not through something silly. Mm-hmm. It's, it's through the evidence of the way people are behaving and how he knows different people. And he has a really good theme too. It's not a recognizable one, but it makes you uncomfortable every time Thrawn comes on screen. I'm hoping that'll be a new star Wars standard for whatever Thrawn represents the Star Wars universe. It just it just gets very, very... You feel uncomfortable. It reminds me a lot of the Ganondorf theme from Ocarina of Time, but that's neither here nor there. <laughs> it reminds me slightly of the Joker theme from Dark Knight, 
Hmm. but more melodic, where it's just constructed to make you feel like there's not resolution. Like nothing's resolving. It's just pulling and getting tighter and getting tighter and getting tighter. Which, incidentally, is what the Bendu <laughs> prophesies that Thrawn will go down. I see your destruction with tentacles, you know, many arms grabbing you. That's what the Bendu... Let me find exactly what the Bendu says, but... Not being familiar with the original Star Wars Expanded Universe End of Thrawn, I'm not... Is that, like, based off a real thing? That I don't know. Um, that I am not sure of. I had heard much about Thrawn before seeing this show, um, and I like Thrawn in the show. I'm excited for the people who love Thrawn. I never got to know him before this, so I'm discovering Thrawn for the first time. Like a Thrawn <laughs> Let me see if I, I'm trying to find it real quick, but I'm not being real quick and finding it. That's uh, fine. Well, I I found it. <laughs> your I you know I see your defeat like many arms wrapped around him in a cold embrace. Hmm. So I don't know how Thrawn dies in Star Wars or how Thrawn is defeated, but. I hope that he's around for more than Rebels. I do. Yeah, it would be nice to see him again. And maybe that's why they had to have him in now before we had him elsewhere. So let's talk a little bit about season finales. Because mm. I think I don't remember the actual finale of season one, but they had the Siege of Lothal movie after the end of season one. And that in my head is the finale where they make Vader scary again for the first time pre Rogue One. And the season yeah. finu season two finale brings back Darth Maul, writes off Ahsoka, blinds Kanan, has Vader ride in on a TIE fighter in a red light silhouette with lots of fog and lightning. You can't get scared in that. And in season three, we had a slow-paced space battle where the Empire couldn't follow directions. Although it, the fact that it was so relentless, you felt like they were really going to lose. And the thing that I don't want to say that disappointed me about it but it's it, it's the villain thing where they're winning and then they go okay just stop just stop it yeah oh let them go really really we're gonna let them go yeah, it felt convenient. I mean, I understand that they're upping the scale of the, the conflicts each time. So this time was the whole Rebel Alliance, like literally the whole Rebel Alliance in one spot for the first time. And while we've, we've seen the threads of the Rebel Alliance growing from like the very first Saw Guerrero episode in Clone Wars, 
up till this point, we get everyone together. I don't know if I call this like the first, the first real battle of the rebellion. But it feels like it because they do get people that aren't the ghost crew together. Um, and they get enough people together that Thrawn believes that he's found the entire rebel fleet. Yeah. Which he's terribly miscalculated how many people are in this rebellion. Which is good for them. Um, because they still have some surprises at that point. But the fact that Thrawn thinks that he's found everybody just yeah. shows that as smart as he is, he's also um, underestimating his enemy. I like the skill. There's a lot about it that I want to like, but I just kind of walked away feeling like I should have felt like it was bigger in the moment. Do you know what I mean? Yes. And the thing that I kept, I, I was just, I felt like it was a relentless onslaught. I felt stressed out by it. I remember, I, maybe it helped that I was watching it with headphones so I could hear just everything. <laughs> um, but it just felt like, it, it felt very hopeless. And I told my wife, she was like, what's going on? Because I was sitting next to her listening to it like, oh, God. And I was saying like, oh, oh, no, oh. She's like, what's wrong with you? In this cartoon show, you think they're going to lose. Yeah, I'm like, well, here's the thing. If we go to what's currently Star Wars canon, we have Rogue One slash A New Hope, where the scroll of... New Hope tells us that they've won their first victory against against the um, the Empire, which is stealing the plans and beating them at Scarif. If that's their first victory, they can't possibly win when Thrawn attacks. We're just going to have all losses for the rest of Rebels? Actually, I'd be okay I, with that. But that's but, but if you think about I mean they could have small victories but they can't have a big victory that's just hey we've we've actually won something because that doesn't happen until Scarif. So I knew that they were going to lose but I didn't know what we were going to lose and I feel like yes we did get a death with Sato. Mm -hmm. Which that that, was that hurt. That, that hurt. But I felt like here comes Rex's death. Like that's what I thought we were leading to. Rex isn't gonna die because Dave Filoni said like he likes He's, to and does imagine that Rex is the guy in Return of the Jedi, the one bearded old man in Return of the Jedi that he's modeled after. Right. I think Rex has to live through at least Jedi. Like that is Rex now. You're you're right. I and I know that, but I felt like there had to be some sacrifice. I felt when those walkers started coming in through the shield and started taking everybody out or taking things down, I was like, one of them is going to stay behind to do one last trap and they're going to die with it. Whether it's Rex or Zeb, somebody's going to die at this. I thought Kanan was going to go. Really? 
I feel like his story is fairly complete. I mean, I do feel that Kanan is doomed. <laughs> yes. In this in this series, Kanan is doomed. Um, he has a mark on him. Mm-hmm. It's like uh, the Final Destination movies. He should have died in the Clone Wars, but he escaped that death. So now he's going to get a, a more justified death somehow. I've never watched any of those movies. I assume that they're about Jedi. <laughs> like all movies you haven't seen. Like all movies I haven't seen. Like How I Met Your Mother probably has Jedi in it because I haven't seen that show. So I assume it's about Jedi. I would say you're incorrect. There's a stormtrooper in it. Hmm. See? I'm pretty close. <laughs> how, how great would it be to imagine that there's Jedi in every movie you haven't seen? <laughs> Finally, Woody Allen movies are interesting, you know? Wow. <laughs> they would be, actually. <laughs> Darth Annie Hall. <laughs> and moving way <laughs> Before we even start down that line, I'm stopping it and <laughs> heading back to... I, I, I think that this season ending was different than the others because it's, it didn't give us a... It gave us a hint because it said, hey, we're going to Yavin. Yeah. But it, So it gave us a hint of where we were going physically, but not where this character's stories were headed. Yeah, it's it's a necessary finale. I see that it's building and laying the groundwork for a lot of things. And I appreciate that. I do. But it felt a very it felt like a very plot serving finale as opposed to a character serving finale. If yeah. that makes any sense. Yeah. Not saying I didn't enjoy it. Not saying that I didn't have to, you know, change the way I was sitting because I was getting stressed out by watching it. <laughs> but I think the ending, I was like, I don't know what's going on with these characters now. I don't know what's changed completely for them, except, oh, now we're going to the actual fleet. We're going to where everybody is. We're going to the real base. And that's the only thing that I saw that was different for them. Mm-hmm. As opposed to last season when they lost everything and Kanan was blind and Ahsoka was dead or quote unquote dead. because She's Rosario Dawson in episode eight. Um, <laughs> you know, these... We, we see things about the characters that they will carry with them. And this loss, it didn't feel as changing character-wise. Yeah, we didn't get enough, I don't feel, after the battle. Right. Like, I want season four to pick up right as they're fleeing that battle. They're not to Yavin yet. Yeah. We're on our way to Yavin. We're on our way. Wait, so season four takes place on Yavin 4? <laughs> hmm. 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 And you think that season four is going to be the end of it? 
That's what you you have a very st- strong feeling. If they're ending at Scarif or before New Hope, yes. Which I feel like they should. Mm-hmm. I feel like you have to take us right to A New Hope or Rogue One. I don't think Rebels as it is can exist in Episode 5 world. Because I think it would just be playing too much in the Forrest Gump method of now we're touching on everybody. You know, I, I think we're getting too close to that as it is. I think fantasy animated Star Wars universe world. We finish Rebels after season four. So it'll take us um, past episode eight in terms of real life timeline and like towards Han Solo standalone movie, which means we have this gap of animation time before episode nine happens. And I think it's a natural time then to continue a new cartoon show after episode nine. Give us more Star Wars. So what happens in that middle period I fantasize about a an animated Shadows of the Empire made for TV movie or hmm. miniseries with Luke, with Leia, with Chewbacca. Hmm. I don't know. That sounds fun and all, but fine. I don't know. I'm not don't saying it's a bad idea. Train. You can have your own non-gravy train, your cranberry jam train. I'm I'm just thinking about stories that haven't been told yet, and what are the more interesting stories? Like I feel like it would be neat to see uh, post Return of the Jedi stuff. Yeah, I I think that that could be where a hypothetical show after Episode Nine picks up after Return of the Jedi. This is 30 years. I don't know who we'd follow. Jedi Academy. It'd be uh, young Kylo Ren. Uh, I'm just saying that's one possibility. I'm not saying that's the one that you should do. I'm just saying that's one thing. You could either take it up there or take it up as the creation of the First Order. I would love to see it pick up with Thrawn and the Empire. Thrawn taking over. Mm -hmm. Okay. But that's in the future. For now, of season three, do you have a favorite thing or episode? I don't... uh, I think... I just really enjoyed as a... as who he was and how he added to a genuine sense of stress and menace. I just enjoyed the character of Thrawn throughout this and the way that he was playing mind games. It felt like a very smart season mm-hmm. and he felt like a dangerous villain on a different level than we've seen. It was just a massive threat invader. We just see somebody who doesn't use the force, but who's dangerous because he has ways of getting the secrets and manipulating. And you feel worried for the characters whenever they're in a scene with him. Like when Hera's in the scene with him and, you know, Callus is in the one scene with him and you think that uh, 
Thrawn's going to find out. And then you know that Thrawn knew the whole time. And it's just more, it's just a really interesting acting that's going on. And I think Thrawn is probably my favorite thing this episode. This character scenes between Thrawn and another character. (laughs) That formula. That formula. Yeah. What about for you? Um, just because of the surprise and delight of getting animated Alec Guinness Obi-Wan, that's, like I said, not something that I knew that I wanted, but now that I've had him, <laughs> I like the taste of this. Just wetting my palate for, like, a standalone Ian McGregor in the middle movie trilogy. I still want it. I want that Ian so McGregor much. with Tilda Swinton as Duchess Satine, prequel... To the prequel trilogy. You can't do that. They're, I, I hesitate to say they're too old for that. I know. I know. But Tilda Swinton and Ian McGregor. Perfect. Yeah. that it, it, it is perfect casting for that particular series 20 years ago. On that sassy note, let's do homework time. So next time for Writers Get Animated, your homework is to watch something that the rest of the world has already seen, with the exception of us, your hosts of Writers Get Animated. Um, please go see, and I never thought I'd say these words, please go see The Boss Baby. I never it's, thought I would hear you say those words. Swallowing my pride a little bit. Um, go see The Boss Baby because people are seeing this in droves and seem to really like it. So in our next episode, Chris and I will either admit defeat and talk about how much we like it or um, systematically deconstruct this movie that the rest of the world seems to like. As always, we want to say thank you to Nigel Coutinho, our engineer, and thank you to Jacob Reed for our theme music. If you like or dislike anything you've heard in this episode, tell us on Twitter, at WG Animated, or uh, a place we probably check less, um, Facebook, facebook.com slash WG Animated. And if you want to catch our show notes and any other interesting tidbits we have to share, find it on writersgetanimated.tumblr.com. Boom. Boom. Send that out in the hollow net. Hollow channel. Some whatever it is. <laughs> so uh, this, I think, uh, I, I always feel like at the end of uh, episode, we're, we're very Star Wars heavy that we should just say, good night, everybody, and may the force be with you. But it feels really, like, not authentic. So I hesitate to do that. Your hesitation will be your death. That sounds like a Star Wars line. I don't think it is. That would be a good thing. Things that sound like Star Wars lines. A new play by Chris Leva. (laughs) Good night, everybody. (laughs) 